This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Attitude Era Show. We are going to look back to Season 6, Episode 8, February 23rd, 1998. And this show was out of Waco, Texas. And I do remember this show, man, because I remember being in Waco, man. It was not long after the uh, little David Koresh um, cult in Waco, Texas. So I do remember being in Waco. Man, this show was a little kabuki-ish. There was something going on because if you remember... The last show was a Raw on a Sunday night. So now we... No, there was a Saturday night special, a Saturday night Raw. Now we have Raw on Monday night. However, Steve Austin and DX, uh, Sean Hunter and China, were not on this show for whatever reason. And obviously... I can't remember all the way back from 1998, but there was a reason they weren't on this show. Uh, Taker wasn't on this show. So, uh, well, Taker hasn't been on a couple of shows because that's been the angle. But, um, you know, really, Austin, Sean, Hunter, DX, uh, something was going on that they weren't on this show. I don't know, man, if there was a promotion for WrestleMania. I don't know what was going on. But the fact that the main storyline wasn't on the show, it really led to a night of a lot of wrestling. Um, As a matter of fact, I don't think there were any in-ring segments on this show. It was all wrestling, a lot of wrestling. Um, we open up with uh, LOD against the uh, New Age Outlaws. Man, uh, Kevin Kelly and Michael Cole are on color with JR, and they are really, really, really building up this match. And the crowd is into this from the start. Um, I'm telling you, man, the WWE, bro, we're, we're, we're just really hitting our stride. And you could tell that because these crowds are really, really into the show. Kevin Kelly made the statement early on that I like LOD's odds if it stays two on two, meaning if DX doesn't come out to uh, help the outlaws. Now, we find out DX is not there. So I'm wondering if Kevin Kelly used that line basically to uh, keep people tuned into the match. At the end of the match, LOD hits the doomsday, but the uh, referee is getting Hawk out of the ring. He's taking a little bit too much time to get out of the ring. Um, And then while that's happening, um, after they hit the doomsday, Billy then nails Animal with a chair 
because the ref is trying to get Hawk out of the ring, and this enables uh, Billy to uh, cover Animal One, Two, Three. Now, I got to tell you, man, this this kind of made the referee uh, Earl Hebner look a little stupid. I mean, because Hawk was taking his time getting out of the ring. However, that shouldn't have have drawn his attention. It was a creative finish, bro. I understand why they did what they did, but it kind of made Earl look a little stupid going with Hawk while Billy right behind his back was hitting Animal with a chair. You guys know I absolutely hate this shit. Um, But anyway, now uh, New Age Outlaws go over. Um, Animal is pissed. He confronts Hawk. They start arguing. This turns out into an all-out Legion of of Doom brawl to begin this show. I don't think there's any time in the history of this tag team that these two were scripted to fight one another. But, of course, with Vince Russo writing, uh, anything can happen. The fight goes on. It's a massive, massive pull apart. Um, JR has a great line as he's putting over the fact that this is shocking. And then JR says, I looked in their faces and I can't tell if that's a look of anger or a look of sadness, which was a great, great, great JR line. Man, as I'm looking at this, and this never went anywhere, um, Animal and Hawk never did wrestle each other. But as I'm looking at this, I was really thinking if there were to be an angle with a- Animal and Hawk, who would be the baby face and who would be the heel? And it's weird, bro, because I think it would be easier to get heat. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I think it would be easier to get sympathy on Hawk. But I also th- look at Hawk more as a heel than animal. So this would have been really, really interesting, man. Who would have been the babyface? Who would have been the hawk? Who would have been the hawk? Who would have been the babyface? Who would have been the heel, animal, or hawk? I would love to hear your comments on that. As usual, guys, you can contact me at officialventruso at gmail.com. That would have been very interesting. I think hawk would have been the heel, Um and Animal would have been a baby face. I think that's the side I would have went on. Uh, from there, we uh, we keep teasing that we hope to talk to the Legion of Doom to find out what happened. We'll try to get a reward with them. Again, all these things are used as hooks to keep you uh, tuned in. Next, we have Ken Shamrock against Double J, uh, the NWA non-title. Cornette is out there managing. I I texted Jeff a couple of weeks ago. Bro, this, first of all, Jeff said that this was the worst gear he ever wore. He hated this Aztec double J gimmick gear. But I got to tell you, bro, this gear is so, it's either very tight around double J's crotch or 
Double J has a uh, a massive wiener. It, it, it's one of the two. In this gear, Double J's wiener is just right there, bro. But anyway, we have our match, non-title match. Jim Cornette is not wearing glasses. So there's going to be a little bumping around. The crowd is red hot. Cornette accidentally hits JJ with his tennis racket. JJ is out, knocked out. Then um, Shamrock puts the ankle lock out of him. This was a good finish, bro, because it really attacked, uh, it really protected Double J. He did not have to tap out because Cornette accidentally hit him with the uh, racket. And there is there is dissension as after the match, um, Double J tells Michael Cole it might be time to separate ways with Jim Cornette. Bro, there was a lot of this throughout the show. And this is unheard of because usually the, the, the rule of thumb is, oh, bro, you can only have one thing like that happen on a show. You can have two guys have dissension with each other. Only one guy. I used to hate those freaking rules of wrestling. Absolutely used to hate them. And on this show... There's like four, bro. There, there are four confrontations within families, which is mind blowing. So let's keep track, bro. You got LOD. Now you got Cornette and Double J. Up next, Jerry Lawler gets a word with uh, Animal in the locker room. Hawk comes barging in. The brawl continues backstage, bro, between Animal and, and a Hawk. This is pretty much the thread of the show. You guys know I like a beginning, a middle, an end. No Austin, no DX. So there really wasn't an in-ring setting up the entire show, which is very, 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 very rare. So this show is very, very wrestling heavy, bro. From there, we have the DOA against the Truth Commission. Uh, both Skull and Ball, my good friends Ron and Don Harris, they have to double team Kurgan to get him up and slam him to the ground. But then Kurgan winds up getting the paralyzer, the dreaded paralyzer, on one of them. Um, man, I you know, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know why. You know, Ronnie and Donnie are still my friends, bro. I love these dudes. I don't know why I never really wrote a story for them. I, I, don't, I don't think DOA ever had a story, bro. There was never a story for DOA, and that's unfortunate. And I don't know why, man. I would have loved to put those guys in some kind of a story. If I could do this all over again, I definitely would get DOA involved in some kind of a story. But now, bro, for the third match in a row, bro. Uh, Callus Jackal winds up arguing with Sniper. 
Sniper pushes him. Next thing we know, Kurgan puts the paralyzer on Sniper. So this is the third match in a row. I can guarantee you, bro, that that hasn't been done since. Where there has been trouble within the group in the first three matches of the night. I guarantee you. As a matter of fact, bro, I would not be the least bit surprised if that was never, ever done before, bro. But now we got three straight matches, bro. That Russo is crazy, bro. He is absolutely crazy. There was a, a cool visual of Kurgan. He had the paralyzer on Sniper and dragged him up the ramp to the back. Obviously, bro, we're trying our best to get Kurgan over almost, almost style. But, man, it just doesn't seem to be working. I think part of the problem is, bro, you you got a little bit of a problem. Number two, the bigger you are, the more awkward you are. Um. Also, you know, with, 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 you know, almost has a very heavy accent. Kurgan had a very, very uh, heavy accent. Um, you know, they, they were both, um, from other countries with a very thick accent. Now, I don't know if, if, if that was a little bit of a communication barrier with the fans. But, man, WWE has a record of just not being able to get big men over. And, you know, as I'm watching this Kurgan thing play out, it is almost, man, it is it is almost all over again, bro. Really, really, really weird. From then, there, bro, we go to DX, who is in Sean's house. In San Antonio, Texas, this was Sean's shoot house. Uh, They were really at Sean's house. Uh, Again, bro, I can't remember the circumstances of why they were not on the show. But um, we find out a little bit more of the story of how China got stunned at No Way Out by Stone Cold Steve Austin. So... Uh, Sean is cutting a straight away promo. Um, and, uh, his real life girlfriend is there having a conversation with China. I remember this, bro. So if you go back and watch this episode, that was, um, Sean's real life girlfriend at the time. Triple H starts talking more about ratings. Triple H always seem to be the one talking about ratings, which is kind of odd because now that he's, you know, running the show, uh, whatever, 25 years later, uh, Triple H is starting to see exactly how important ratings are. But he talks about wanting ratings, and next week, bro, they are going to set the Nielsen books on fire. Because next week, Raw is going to be X-rated, discretion advised, but will be completely effing ignored, bro. And Hunter did use the word effing, and it was bleeped out. Bro, you got to understand, man, back then, 
you didn't do stuff like this, man. You didn't you didn't really say the word and bleep it out. It, this this was all this was all new, bro. This was all new territory, man. We just kept, you know, pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope. From there, bro, as we continue this very, very, very heavy wrestling show, uh, Sonny comes out as the guest ring announcer in a match between Taka Michinoko and Barry Windham of NWA. And, uh, man, I had to chuckle just a bit because uh, Cornette would never, ever, ever get away with this in uh, 2023. But uh, he basically said that Taka was a sushi appetizer for Barry Windham. Obviously, you have all of the NWA out there and poor little Taka Michinoko by his lonesome. Then, bro, lights out. Here comes Kane. Now, you know, again, bro, the wrestling purists, I know I'm getting heat for this because the NWA, you know, powders. So it was almost like Kane made the save because with all of them out there, they were getting the best of Taka. Here comes Kane, the heels powder. So the argument would be, Vince, what are you doing, bro? You're making Kane a babyface. He's he's uh, saving Taka. Well, not really, bro, because Kane then um, choke slams Taka Michinoko and then gives him a tombstone. And then, much to everybody's surprise, Paul Barra calls out Steve Austin for next week. Now, guys, you know I hate the next week bullshit when you're in that town that night, bro. It just feels to me like you're, 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 you're screwing that hometown. Why are you going to do it next where next week someplace else? You're here tonight. Do it now. But as I said, bro, Austin is not there. He is definitely not in the building. Bro, back then, we did not use the top talent and then have them in dark matches, which is absolute insanity. We never, ever did that. Factually, Sean and Austin are not in the building. From there, bro, we go to the second half of Raw. It's now JR and Lola. Uh, Lola. Cole is outside trying to get a word with the New Age Outlaws as they leave the building. I had a pop because Billy Gunn is wearing a Zubaz shirt. If you remember Zubaz, bro, Zubaz, those were the uh, the uh, very, very loose-fitting pants used to have like colorful camouflage designs on them called Zubas. Everybody, all the wrestlers always used to wear Zubas. And I do believe that that line was created by the Legion of Doom. I believe that was a shoot, but Billy had his Zubas shirt on. So that popped me a little bit. 
uh, New Age Outlaws boasting about what they did tonight, getting a good chuckle out of it. However, we hear the chainsaw, and out of the darkness comes Chainsaw Charlie and Mick Foley. Chainsaw is cutting up the car with the uh, with the um, chainsaw. And this was a real chainsaw, bro, because this was not special effects as he's, you know, hitting the car with the chainsaw. Sparks are flying everywhere. Then Mick takes his baseball bat and completely destroys the windshield of the car. Now, guys, let me explain to you what would happen when we would do something like this. A wrestler, usually Steve Lombardi, would rent a car. When he rented the car, bro, they would be sure to get the insurance on a car. Then we would proceed, bro, to absolutely destroy and ruin the car and then bring it back to the dealer And it was insured, so it cost us nothing. And Lombardi would play dumb. I don't know, man. I don't know how it got like this. I parked it, you know, at so-and-so. And when I came out, this is how the car was. You know, I don't know, bro, if they would go to the extent of police reports. But I guarantee you they would because that's what the rental car place would ask for. A police, they had to ask for a police report. If, if, if you bring a car in with all the windshields busted and, and, and chainsaw marks on it, I am pretty confident that the rental place, Hertz, Avis, would ask for a police report. So I would have to assume the WWE was probably filing false police reports believe it or not. But that is how that worked, and that is how we always got to destroy so many cars, bro. From there, bro, we have a uh, American Dream package. I remember this vividly. We got an American Dream package. The idea is to have Dustin make fun of his dad, Goldust. I mean, his dad, Dust, uh, Dusty Rhodes. Bruce Pritchard does the voice over as Dusty. 1,000% matter of fact. I remember this vividly. We also see in the package uh, Dusty Rhodes with a very, very, very young Dustin And Pritchard is carrying on in Dusty's voice about how I'm very proud of my son. And we're seeing Goldust in all these different outfits. I remember during the time, bro, Dusty commenting that he was not happy with what his son was doing at the WWE as Goldust with all these bizarre characters. I remember that. And this was a way for Dustin to take a swipe back. Um, But JR is saying, we spoke to Dusty during the day 
And, you know, he was okay with this. He was, you know, this was entertainment and he understood. And I think the reason why we were doing that is we did not want the WWE to come off looking like heels. You know, the heat was supposed to go on Dustin, but Dusty is so beloved, bro. We did not want the heat going on the promotion. So JR says a couple of times that we talked to the dream on the phone prior. I don't know if they did or not. Maybe JR would remember. But Dustin comes out in the polka dots, huge huge, um, pillar shoved down the front of his shirt. They're playing the common man music, Dusty's theme. Uh, Dusty has the fake scars on his arm. Great makeup job. And... um, Gosh, who, who, who I'm, I'm trying to think of who this match was made between. Uh, oh, yeah, it was Goldust and Bradshaw. Goldust and Bradshaw. No Luna was there. Uh, Lola asks JR about the history of the polka dots. And JR says it was probably... Uh, some marketing genius. It was 1,000% Vince McMahon. Again, bro, this was a rib. You know, th- 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 there was probably some type of a little bit of heat between Dusty and Vince. I don't know the story. And Vince is like, yeah, bro, we'll give you a job, but you're going to be a common man, and you're going to go out there in black and yellow polka dots. Because if that's not a rib, What's the what's the purpose of the black and yellow polka dots? Then you had Sapphire. It was all a rib on Dusty. So that's where JR is kind of taking a shot at Vince, saying, I'm sure it was some marketing genius. Then uh, Jerry Lawler had a great line where he says, you know, Dusty once told me that that outfit made him look fat, but I believe that the fat, made him look fat. Um, From there, bro, uh, 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 Dustin tries to get on the offense like Dusty. It doesn't work, and Bradshaw winds up going over. This was an entertaining segment. Of course, bro, there were a lot of people I was working with that I'm sure took it a lot more seriously and disrespectful uh, than I did. To me, bro... It's just entertainment, and it's just comedy. From there, Cole interviews um, Goldust as he's going up the ramp. Uh, From then, uh, Kevin Kelly tries to get a word with Hawk, but Hawk is not stopping and talking to anybody. It is a no comment. From then, we go to a match. Again, bro, this is wrestling, 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 wrestling. There are zero in rings, bro. This is an anomaly. I I couldn't tell you the first, I I couldn't tell you prior how long it been since we didn't have a segment in the ring. And afterwards, maybe it's never happened again. There was not one in-ring segment on this show. Next up, we had Steve Blackman and The Rock. And what's important here is, bro, Steve Blackman is undefeated, bro. 
This isn't 50-50 booking. There were actually undefeated wrestlers, bro. And um, what's interesting about this is, you know, are they going to beat Blackman? Is Blackman going to go over on The Rock? What exactly is going to happen here? See, that's the deal, bro. When, When you've got stories... You don't need to have clean finishes. And the story going on now is between Farouk and The Rock. And we use that story, bro, to keep black men undefeated. That is how you do it. We use the story to keep black men undefeated. It furthers Rock and Farouk and does not hurt Rock at all, bro. There's a spot in the match where Rock accidentally bumps Farouk off of the apron. Um, Two times, bro, Farouk got up on the apron to draw the ref while Rock had Blackman covered twice. So it looked like two times Rock could have won the match. Both times, Farouk up on the apron, draws the referee. Again, bro, I'm not a big fan of making these referees look stupid. Finally, there's a spot in the match uh, where uh, D'Lo goes to throw the, the, the nunchucks to the rock. They are intercepted by Blackman. Farouk's got the attention of the ref. Blackman nails Rock with the nunchucks, and then Black uh, Blackman covers Rock one, two, three. Rock gets up, now goes over to Farouk. Now they have a problem because the way the match was laid out, Rock had him pinned twice. D'Lo goes to throw him the nunchucks. Nunchucks. Blackman intercepts, nails Rock. Blackman goes over. So this was a way to use the story to protect Rock losing. With no story and cold wrestling matches, then you got to put people over clean, and that's when you have 50-50 booking and nobody goes gets over. So this is a way to keep Blackman's uh, streak alive. We then go to the back, and there is a interview with Luna. She's cutting a promo on Saber. I don't know why, bro. I vividly, vividly, vividly remember writing this line where Luna says, I am going to take Sable's Estee Lauder face, and I'm going to turn it into an Andy Warhol original. I remember writing that vividly. Um, up next, bro, we have the Headbangers against the Rock and Roll Express. The NWA referee, uh, Tommy Young, is ready to call the match. Slaughter comes out, says, no, 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 no. We re- we saw what happened on uh, Raw Saturday night. You will not be refereeing this match. Uh, Earl Hebner will be refereeing this match. Cornette goes absolutely ballistic. He's going to sue everybody. Uh, He used the name of a law firm. I would love to know what's behind this name. Zacco, Pfeffer, and Mont. Zacco, Pfeffer, and Mont. That was the law firm he was going to use to sue. 
They tell the story here a little bit of how the headbangers used to idolize the Rock and Roll Express when they were kids. Lo and behold, bro, Ricky and Robert get into it a little bit. Some miscommunication. This is wild, bro. My critics are probably having a field day with me that all these partners and all these factions are fighting with one another. You can't do that, bro. You can only do it once on every wrestling show. And I know, bro, the reason why I'm doing it is because there's all wrestling on this show. We don't have our main players, so I'm trying to make the best of it. Um, From there, King mentions the next week they'll be in Cleveland, and they love him in Cleveland. For the second time, bro, Cornette goes to use his tennis racket, accidentally nails Ricky Morton, just like he nailed Double J uh, earlier in the day. So now... Tension in the NWA, bro. I would not be surprised if next week they permanently banned because obviously Jeff said he was going his separate way. Here, Cornette uh, accidentally nails Morton. Bro, I got to be honest with you. It seemed like Cornette and the NWO NWA were definitely getting heat. But the plug was probably getting pulled, bro, because they probably weren't drawing ratings. And the audience was probably tuning out to the NWA, even though the response in the building was hot. But at the end of the day, bro, as I always tell you, the ratings dictated everything, bro. Everything. So if we were seeing the numbers and they weren't drawing, they were not going to be on the show for for long. We then see a special package, bro, Stone Cold Steve Austin's road to WrestleMania. As I said, for whatever reason, Steve was not on this show. Mike Tyson was not on this show. DX was not on this show. Uh, From there, we go to uh, Mark Merrow and Sable Music and Entrance. Merrow sends... Sable back. Mero's opponent is Owen Hart. Again, as we've been doing, the fans are chanting Sable, Sable, Sable. So Sable makes her way back out to the ring. Uh, Mero is not happy. There's a spot where Mero tosses the referee, then low blows Owen. Owen then recovers, gets the sharpshooter on Mark, but the referee calls the bell and rules this a DQ because Mero put his hands on the ref and also low-blowed Owen. So again, this was to protect Mark. Even though Owen got him in the sharpshooter like Shamrock, got Jeff in the ankle lock, Two very different finishes to not make either wrestler tap out. Um, All of a sudden, bro, the end of the match, here comes Luna, and we've got about the last five minutes of the show of Luna and Sable absolutely trying to get at each other, kill each other. 
The fans are eating this up. The fans are digging this. Uh, finally, Sable gets a microphone and says, get your ass back here, you little bitch. The crowd pops. Luna makes her way back. Huge pull apart. Dustin's out there. Dustin and Merrill get to it. Every agent is out there. How Sable did not pop out of her outfit, I have no idea, bro. This was wild. The fans were going crazy. Obviously, bro, they want to see Luna and Sable. That's it, guys, for a very, very different show. As I said, no in-rings, partners turning on partners, absolute chaos. I would love to know what kind of a rating this show did. I am going to see if I can actually look it up for you. But that is it, everybody. A look back into the Attitude Era. I'm sure next week we'll get right back into the current format. But this was an anomaly, bro. All wrestling all the time. Time. With a little Zabada, as Pat Patterson would say. That is it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you all next week.